T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Anthony Hennon, good morning. Good morning, Don. How are you doing? Doing great. This Monday, August 21st. Um, your latest, one of your latest writings, you're talking about more electric vehicle charging stations coming to Pennsylvania and uh, talking about Governor Josh Shapiro saying that Pennsylvania will spend that $34 million on dozens of projects in the Commonwealth to build more charging stations for EVs. This is a huge issue for people who say they want to get the EV especially, you know, for those who say, I like the idea of this with gas prices having gone up and that sort of thing, but they can't find a charging station. So tell me about, um, tell me about the latest on the EVs. Yeah, so this is, this is part of a, a national effort here. Um, this latest money, this is uh, $34 million, and this will go to about uh, a little more than 50 projects across 35 counties in Pennsylvania. Um, and this is this is not all that's coming in. Um, this is part of uh, a five-year, $172 million um, federal grant coming into Pennsylvania to build these out. Uh, this is basically an approach here trying to build out these um, well-connected, generally interstates, um, but making sure that along a number of routes across Pennsylvania, there will be a charging station, um, one for every 50 miles. Uh, so how this gets built out, um, you know, this, this is still in the works. It'll take a few years to really get going, though. Um, the earliest projects, it seems like it'll get started by the end of the year. Um, but this is trying to make sure, you know, whether you're passing a, a travel centers of America, whether you're passing a, you know, a Wawa, um, a bunch of different um, places, making sure that there's a place for you to charge up an electric vehicle and make um, the shift to electric vehicles a little easier. Um, so we're looking at about um, 216 charging ports popping up near Pennsylvania's interstates um, with this round of funding. Yeah, and I, you mentioned Wawa. So now, you know, we'll see more of these popping up at places like places like Wawa, that they'll have these EVs for everybody's convenience. That's one of the spots that you had mentioned, correct? Yeah, I mean, Wawa, Sheets, um, Tesla is also putting some up. Um, a lot of these kind of travel plazas, um, they, these common rest stops along the interstates. Uh, this is where you'll see it popping up. Um, once they get this initial uh, uh, initial infrastructure built out, you'll start seeing them pop up more along some um, more heavily trafficked uh, state routes and things like that. But they're trying to build out, you know, basically looking at where's traffic moving the most and starting there. And then getting to the you know the second priority, third priority uh, areas. And you've written about this that it's um, thirty four million dollars 
for Pennsylvania, but the total package you've said it's a five year package. This is a this is big bucks out of the infrastructure bill for our area. What what's the dollar amount for the for the total federal grant? Yeah, so at least for uh, for Pennsylvania, it's looking like it's going to be about one hundred seventy two million dollars. Um, for 2022 and 2023, it'll be about 62 million. Um, and then in 2024, they're expecting another, um, almost 40 million coming in. So these first, uh, first three years, we're looking at about a hundred million dollars coming into this. Um, and it's also, you know, there's a lot of demand. Um, mm-hmm. this program is, it's a grant program. So people have to apply for the money. Um, and so for this round of, uh, of $34 million, they had uh, more, almost uh, 271 applications um, asking for $165 million. Um, so basically, even if we had gotten the entire five-year uh, budget for this all at once, um, we would essentially have that all booked up. Gotcha. I I just I wanted to point this out, and I know we talked to you this talked to you, Anthony Hennon, about this before, but I noticed if, at least electronically, it's on the front of the Inquirer. So you you wrote about this uh, you know weeks ago, and they they picked it up. So I I just want to give you the shout out. I think you're one of the first people that wrote about this as far as all the details of it. Uh, people can find it at thecentersquare.com. It was actually what August fifteenth, I think, was the big article that you did. So just want to give you the little shout out there. <laughs> give give credit well, thank where credit's due. Always appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it's I think it's an interesting story for for us. My question oftentimes you know i think of um college campuses you know penn state my son just started back to penn state abington he's commuting right now and i do think of a lot of times i see these chargers at places like college campuses across the country and regionally just because um maybe maybe those college kids because if they're commuting if it's a commuter campus they're commuting a short ways, and so that's an ideal market to tap into. You know, that's that's one piece of it I thought I would just mention. Um, so another one that you've written about is talking about um, homelessness and how it's declining nationally over the last decade. You write, but the number of those who've been unhoused for long periods of time has crept upward. And I think that's a significant statistic, Anthony. Yeah, I think um, it's it's one of those things. It's uh, there, there's some good news in this, but there's also um, some remaining challenges. Um, because I think you know it gets very easy when we're talking about this. You know, a, a lot of this tends to be talk about you know homelessness growing. It's becoming more and more of an issue, um, and in, in some ways it can be. But when we're actually looking at the data um, nationally, we've seen some very positive trends. Um, nationally from 2010 to 2020. So granted, this was before the pandemic hit, but homelessness overall fell by 33% and it declined by 55% for veterans. Um, the problem here has been uh, chronic homelessness, which is essentially when a person has been homeless for a year or more, they generally have uh, bigger issues like mental illness or drug addiction. Um, the chronic homelessness number has crept up by 4%. Uh, but we're also what, what's nice to see here is even in uh, Pennsylvania, uh, we're seeing some improvements. Um, Philadelphia between 2018 and 2022 actually saw a 22 percent decrease in the number of homeless. Um, but we are seeing um, in more recent years uh, a- increasing um, chronic homelessness. 
um, even though that declined by 19% um, over those four years, from 2021 to 2022, it started coming up again. Um, so, you know, it may not exactly look like it um, because it's, it's uh, very clear when you can see homelessness being an issue. Um, but overall, you know, we're doing better. There's a lot of work that remains to be done, um, but it's not all doom and gloom. Um, there's still some important progress being made here. And um, in the city of Philadelphia as well, I mean, they, they spent a lot of money trying to rectify this, trying to mm-hmm. deal with this. Yeah, and I know ultimately that was, we had those encampments and especially along, you know, the Ben Franklin Parkway, for example. And I think a lot of this is awareness. A lot of people, even even during the pandemic, still didn't realize how many veterans are homeless. And, and I think part of, a piece of this is, talking about it, the education aspect of who is homeless and then shelters. For example, the largest group of people living in shelters, a lot of people don't realize this, the largest group is often children, you know, under the age of 18. And then what happened, I've been involved in a lot of nonprofits with this, with once you turn 18, even if you're in the foster care system, once you turn 19, 20, 21, you're sort of, you know, you're put out on the streets and a lot of times Mm -hmm. these are these are children people don't realize what happens so children who for whatever reason their parents or parent they've been abandoned they end up in the foster system or maybe they end up in the shelter system and then ultimately once they're technically an adult they're just they're just thrown out on the street essentially so a lot Mm -hmm. of right a lot of people don't realize you know when you think about that I think it does change people's attitude when you think, oh, these are veterans who are going through, you know, PTSD, et cetera. But then as well, they're, they were, you know, once they reach that adult age, technically, they're just, they're put out on the street as a quote unquote homeless person. They have no support base. So I think not yeah. just, I think government it has to get smarter and catch up to that. But I think society has to be more, um, you know, we have to educate ourselves. And I, I put myself in that category as well. I, I learn a lot every single day as I look into this. Yeah, and I, I think there's there's kind of two, there there's two approaches here, I think, from a government policy level. One is, you know, recognizing who are the homeless and where we have a lot of these um, shortfalls within the system. But another thing, too, that really stands out and really um, becomes clear when you look at places like California um, housing affordability plays a big role here. Um, the more expensive housing is, the more uh, you see these homeless numbers creeping up. Um, and, you know, we've a lot of the success um, that we've seen in driving down homeless numbers and dealing with this, it really comes from a lot of these reforms we've seen to zoning laws that make it easier to build more housing and make it easier to build more affordable housing, kind of trying to find ways to cut these costs um, to get, you know, the housing market growing again. Um, I, I think that has been a very underrated and overlooked uh, part when we do talk about homelessness. Yeah, it's well said. I mean, it, with the economy and with what's going on, rents on the rise and that sort of thing, um, it, it really all matters. And I, I do think here in Philadelphia, as far as the agencies and even volunteer groups, they've come a long way. I think one issue I will point out is that for families, to, to your point, who couldn't make rent and we now see the evictions, you know, coming back, there aren't many shelters at all nationwide and, and here locally or regionally that would allow an entire family 
because if mm-hmm. you think that if you think of the nature of it, they'll have a shelter for children, and then they'll have a shelter for women, and then they'll, they'll have a shelter for men. There aren't many shelters that will say we want to keep you as a family unit together, and that's why oftentimes we'll see a family, for example, living out of a vehicle or living under a bridge because they don't want to split up their family. Yes, it's very tough. I I think it's also when we look at other programs that are designed to keep people in place or to keep families together, um, like Section 8 um, housing vouchers, Mm -hmm. which, you know, essentially helps subsidize the cost of housing. Um, When you look at the list in Philadelphia, I mean, the waiting list even be um, to even qualify for that aid. It's years and years long. I mean, I, I don't think they've opened it for for a good bit. I, I think it's something like an eight or 10 year wait list. Um, so there's a lot of a lot of complications, even when we do have some policies or some programs in place to help people stay together and stay off the street. Um, it's it's near impossible to actually get on the list when you do have a crisis in the present. I wanted to I wanted to chat a little bit about the article that you wrote about um, one state agency wants Pennsylvanians to better understand what environmental justice means. Can you take us through that? Yeah, of course. So this this comes from uh, within the Department of Environmental Protection. Um, they have what's called the Environmental Protection Environmental Justice Advisory Board, um, and this basically pulls together a number of um, DEP workers and leaders, um, some community members. Uh, but what really came through here was when um, DEP Secretary Rich Negrin talked about what environmental justice means to him and what he's working on within um, DEP. Um, so he was basically arguing when, when people talk about environmental justice, a lot of that attention ends up focusing on um, generally minority communities and cities who end up near um, anything from oil refineries, um, manufacture, manufacturing um, buildings, ba- basically any areas where you see heightened levels of pollution. Um, and that generally results in, um, you know, lower, lower home prices, um, worse economic outcomes. You have a lot of negative health effects from this. Uh, but Negger was really trying to open up how the public understands that, what that definition really means. Um, so to him, he was describing it as something that means really focusing on and supporting communities that have been impacted by environmental emergencies. Um, you know, it's, uh, we all know it's not just about communities of color, Negrin said. But it's also about the poor rural communities that are environmental justice communities. Um, so in this, he was pointing to places like in Beaver County, where you kind of had two things going on. Um, one, of course, was the uh, nearby train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. And another thing was recently um, the Shell um, cracker plant that ended up with a $5 million uh, fine they had to pay for air quality violations. Um, so he's kind of trying to talk about you know, broadening the scope of what, of what uh, environmental justice really means and trying to show that, you know, Pennsylvania communities, urban, rural, white, black, um, there's a lot of uh, negative environmental effects they have to deal with and making sure places like this have clean air, clean water, have a functioning economy. Um, Negan was really trying to focus on that and some, uh, some efforts that the DEP is leading to work on that. And so is he saying that people will get some kind of relief or some kind of help as far as on the Pennsylvania um, border there, Pennsylvania, Ohio border, or he's just pointing yeah. it out. Okay. Yeah, a little both. Um, I mean, when you look at what's been happening around Beaver and Lawrence County counties, which are generally the ones that were affected along the line there. Um, I mean, there's, there's been 
I'd have to go back and add it up. I mean, there, there's been millions, maybe more than 10 million, um, really poured in for things like, um, trying to replace, um, protective equipment that firefighters have used out there, um, creating a community fund to help fund, um, a, a number of issues, uh, get reimbursements, uh, for people if they had to stay in hotels or if they lost some agriculture produce. Um, so th- there's a number of things going into that and also the ongoing um, monitoring of air and water quality. Um, so, I mean, that's that's one thing they focused on, um, this $5 million fine that's coming from Shell. Um, the uh, department is trying to get more um, public input and help um, the public of Beaver County decide exactly how that money is being spent within a community fund um, and what that county needs to grow or to improve its environmental quality. Yeah, I would say another example would be that I can think of. It became a mayoral issue here in Philadelphia, and and that was the fact that in Philadelphia we send our paper goods, our so-called recycling, to Chester, which is obviously a different county. It's in Delaware County, but to Chester where they where they burn it. And a lot of people mm-hmm. have said there's a, a very high rate of asthma, for example, in the city of Chester, and and it, that's often pointed to as, as one of the causes um, of that. So I, I would say that's, you know, sometimes when you, we use these, I wish they wouldn't call it environmental justice because I think people, you know what I mean? Off the top of your head, I think a lot of people say, what? Um, and they yeah, think it's, that, it's a very, uh, it, it's a very technocratic term that, you know, it, it makes sense when you hear it in academia, but yes. when you're talking to people, you know, people who have busy lives and they're not keeping up with this stuff, it's very abstract and it's hard to really, really get a grip on what this actually means or if whether this is just, you know, another vague government program that they'll do whatever with. Yeah. So I, I think that is a big, uh, a big problem for if you're trying to help these communities, if you're trying to help people get involved. I mean, that stuff is already locking people out unless they're already in that world and um, really focused on those issues. Yes. Well said. Well, Anthony Hennon, uh, is there anything else you're working on right now that you want to preview? Oh, there's a number of environmental <laughs> stories coming up. Um, actually, in Chester um, later this week, I believe tomorrow, um, they're holding a, a liquid natural gas task force meeting and about possibilities trying to develop a hub for exporting um, liquid natural gas that would be around Chester. And those previous issues um, the city has had with asthma and other um, health and environmental issues, um, That's that's been a main, um, yeah. a, a big uh, stumbling block for people who are already very skeptical of that. Um, so yeah, there, there'll be a number of things, uh, cooking in the works that should be, uh, it should, should be well worth the time of your listeners. We'll put it that way. <laughs> Never a slow news day. Anthony Hannon with the centersquare.com. Thanks for uh, updating us this morning. Thanks, Anthony. Thank you. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 